Thursday, welcome back to our Chronicle Podcast. My name is Sarah Formula, and I'm your host on this podcast. Today, we'll be talking about something very, very different. Yes, different. Okay, we're talking about living differently. Living differently. Why should we make this choice? This is a part of the ongoing series on a call for separation, and I know you'll be blessed today. So if you want to live differently, then join me. Okay, so we are youths. As as youths, as teenagers, this time of our lives is something I learned in a book to be called as the prime time. Yesterday I was reading a book called um, Battle for the Young by Billy Akoni. And he kind of described... Our teenage years and youth year, youthful years as our prime time. This time of our lives when we make choices that determine our destiny. It's a period of making choices, according to him. Choices that will mark our life out for greatness and glory when are made when we are young. So, living differently to me is the act of non-conformity. Making a choice not to conform to the world. Making a choice to make some kind of change in our lives that will not conform to the world. That is my own simple definition of living differently. And this book has really been an influence in me picking this topic because it speaks a lot about how our choice, how our choices in life as a, as a young person, as a teenager or youth will determine how much regret we will have in the future. So, yes. The time of our youth is the time of making choices, choices that will make mark our life out, either for greatness or for doom. I'd like us to like reference a part of the Bible first, so I won't be one. I'll be the one saying we should not conform to the world. Of course, we all know the popular Bible. It says, "And be not conformed to this world, but by but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what." Is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? So God, it is God's will that we do not conform to the world. He even said it that if you love me, if you love the world, the love of the love of Christ is not in you. So if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And by keeping God's commandments, it means we are going against the Father of the world. We are going against the Father of lies, which is Satan. We are going against the standard of the world to the standard of Christ. That is living differently. Now, why should we live differently? Why should we make this choice? You know, there's this particular story in the Bible that really, really, really interests me. The story of Daniel and his friends when they um, chose not to eat with the king, like eat the king's meal, to defy themselves with the king's meal. And I feel like this, they were in, I can imagine how stuck they were, how their situation was because they were not in their own country they were in another country they should be scared of being thrown into prison they should be scared of being killed of being assaulted but they still stood their ground okay i'm not eating this food even though it's like the craziest thing to do because of course what is in food why wouldn't you want to eat it but daniel had this conviction in the street that if i eat this king's meal i would defile myself i would defile my god 
they got them me so i don't want to eat it and they make that decision to stand out to live differently to not conform to the gathering of people that you saw around so living differently is basically not conforming to your society to your societal values that are against the standard of christ and he said in daniel 1 verse 8 said says but daniel proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meal nor with the wine which he drank therefore he requested of the prince of the enox that he might not defile himself and that happened they, they kind of tested them for 10 days and stuff we all know that story so i like to jump to the verse 20 after they've tested daniel and his friends which they didn't give them food for 10 days and they gave some other set of people the king's meal for 10 days and wanted to see what will happen to them and they noticed that the people who didn't drink in verse 15 they said at the end of the 10 days their countenances appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat and the king commune with them and verse 19 and among them all was found none like daniel ananiah michelle and azaria those are his three friends therefore stood they before the king they had the opportunity to stand before kings because they chose to live differently and in all manner of wisdom and understanding the king inquired of them he found them ten times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm and daniel continued even unto the first year of king cyrus daniel's story teaches me a lot about living differently living differently gives you a chance to find your inner value that hidden value in you that god has placed in you i will change your world i will make you stand out that will make you different yet mighty among your peers among those people that have chosen to follow the world daniel and his friend even though they didn't eat the king's meal of course they won't be served any other meal they still appeared fairer their continences and fatter meaning that if we are choosing to live differently for god we are telling god that okay i am not going to do the world i am going to rather hide under the shadow of your wings so that you will be the one protecting me you do you'll be the one feeding me you'll be the one leading me you'll be the one teaching me and imagine if god is the one leading us in every single thing that we are doing of course our countenances will be fairer and we'll be fatter and we will flourish in christ that is what happened to daniel and his friends and that if that is the only reason why i will choose to live differently then i will choose to live differently so that's number one reason why we should make that choice of living differently it gives us an access to god a direct access to god and that direct access to god assures us of a life a, a future a future a sweet future yeah i would like I'll, I'll just put it as a sweet future in christ the time of our youth is a time when it's a time when we should choose god over satan yes we can't afford to we can't afford to stand in the middle because if we stand in the middle <laughs> it's it's like we're telling satan that okay i want a part of you but this god too i don't want to leave him you cannot be passive with god a yes to god is a no to the devil and an indecision to god is equally a welcome to the enemy who is seeking whom he may devour if you 
choose to sit on the fence concerning your choice between God and the world, you will be dragged into the world. It's that simple. Because if you are choosing to be a one leg in, one leg out, one day, one day, your leg that is out will come all in into the world because Satan or worldliness is craftivity. <laughs> I don't know if that word is registered in the dictionary, but it will always find a way of getting back at you. But if you shut all doors against the devil and choose to live separated, different, in God, in Christ, the devil will have no way to creep into your life. And then you are sure of a, fu- you are sure of a future free of regrets, a future of peace and prosperity and purpose. There's a raging battle. There is a raging battle. The battle is very, very strong between God and the devil every single day. And this battle is all about you. It's all about me. All about the young people. If you are young, it is a privilege. And the devil sees this privilege and he fights with God every single day because of this. The the devil's greatest push is making the young person, a young person, become his own. Making a young person become his instrument. Become vulnerable in his arms. Because it is, it is written, let's open our Bibles to Psalm 127, verse 47. Let's try to understand this verse. It was until I read Battle for the Young by Billy Akwale that I really understood this psalm. It says, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. Happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. This scripture says, happy is the man that as is quiver full of them full of who the children of the youth it means that we are precious we are pli- priceless there is something of value attached to us because we are in our prime time and if you have youth if happy is a man a man even if a man a man talk us of god as is um surroundings is surrounded by youth it will be happy why because they will add value they have something to offer. They are so unique. Their virtues are still very young and fresh and full. That that enough alone is enough to give them happiness. That's why I said, as arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. We are arrows in the hand of a mighty man. We are instruments for a ma- mighty man as youths. And so if a man has youths in his quiver, he will be happy. And the scripture says, happy is the man and not happy is the God. This will tell you that apart from God and the devil, even a man is happy if his quiver is full of young people. So the real battle of this world is about capturing young people. That's why I said the devil is raging with God for the lives, for the arts of young people. When you understand this battle, then you understand why you are facing all this conflict that you do face as a young person. You understand why you are confronted with all these challenges that are coming your way. The devil will push challenges at us. The devil will push situations at us that he thinks we cannot handle. Just to capture us. He wants to capture us. He wants to take us away from God. Because he knows that happy is the man that has his quiver full of them. He knows that when he captures the young person, then he can capture the whole world. He knows that when the heart of a young person is ants, then he has a great use to instrument to destroy the world, to destroy the body of Christ. You see that we are unique. 
And for that, we must choose to live differently and not be an instrument for the devil, all in the name of conformity to societal standards. We are at this serious junction of choice in our life, and we dare not become involved in this battle or make any decision without definite divine guidance. In, at this stage of our lives, we should not, we must not make decisions based on the opinions of friends. Make decisions based on what is generally accepted. Remember, our choices now is what determine our destiny. We must make decisions based on the standard of Christ. Divine. It must be divinely guided. Because our decisions now will determine how much regret we will have in the future. And living differently is one thing. I mean, living differently for God is one thing that will help us thrive in this battle. In this battle. As a matter of priority, you need to come into a fresh encounter with God. So that you can hear Him speak to you on what you must do with your youth in the preparation for the years ahead of you. So I'm reading from some lines from Battle for the Young, but I will it's a very living differently is a very urgent decision to make so that we can start the battle of our lives with God at this age and at this time of our youth, which is so precious and deserves not to be wasted. Non-conformity to the world indicates your stand for Christ. Non-conformity to the world indicates your love for Jesus. Non-conformity to the world shows the world who Jesus really is. Non-conformity to the world reveals more of God to you. The time of our youth is not a time to be cosmetic or plastic, floating through life as if you are in a dream, but rather a time to be deliberate, authentic, and realistic with your choices. So you just make choices because you see people making it. You make choices because you are divinely guided. You want to be separated unto this God. You want to leave Christ not only in your prayer altar, not only in your quiet time, but in your daily life. That is living separate. That is living differently. I would like to use this story. The story of Judas Iscariot. There was this man in the Bible. His name is Judas Iscariot. He's one of the disciples of Jesus Christ. So I watched this movie about Jesus' death and resurrection. And this is what I learned from it. Complimenting what I learned about Judas in the Bible. So Judas decided to be a follower of Christ. Though, what will happen, happen. It's actually the will of God that he will be the one to kill, to like place Jesus in the hands of his killers because prophets have prophesied it even before Jesus came. But, of course, his decisions also determined it. His decisions, his, his choices also made him the Judas Iscariot that should have killed Jesus. Of course, if he had made some other choices, some right choices, he would have changed it. Judas decided to be a disciple. Yet, even as a disciple of God, he still, he still communicated, he still communed with those people that are the enemies of Christ in the church. This is what happened with Judas Iscariot. This is what choice he made. And this is one result of not choosing to live differently. Judas decided to follow Jesus. 
he decided to become a disciple. And Jesus accepted him. Okay, follow me. You'll be here. Working with Jesus. And he done. But he still was found. Or he still found himself. Or he still allowed himself. In the company of the people he knew so well that hated God. He knew so well hated Jesus. I mean. And Jesus' message. He still found himself in the assembly of the chief priests. The scribes. The elders of the people. And the palace of the high priest. That he knew so well that they hated Jesus Christ and the message that Jesus was preaching. What was he doing there? If Judas was not in their midst, if Judas was not accessible by these people, would they have consulted him to betray his master? Would they have enticed him with 30 pieces of silver? Would they have done that? No. If you have chosen as a Christian teenager or Christian youth to follow Jesus, you have to follow him fully. That is what I was saying at first. You can't put one leg in and one leg out. An decision to Christ is a door to the enemy, a door to the devil that, hey, I'm available. You can actually use me. And he will use you. That is what he did for Judas. And what happened after? Judas later realized that he has betrayed his master and they are going to kill him. And what did he do? He returned the pieces of silver because they were actually useless to him. And he went to kill himself. The risk of not living differently as a youth is death. It is death. And death can come in any way. I'm not saying it's natural death. But yes, there are some teenagers that, there are some youths that, as a result of conformity, as a result of peer pressure, they go into cultist groups, groups that lead to their death. Or they become, they, they go to the wrong place, they go to the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, how will I say it? And they find their death there. But there can also be some kind of death, which is your spiritual death. It can be, you become, because you, you want to become passive to God, you, you get lost. Lost in the sense that you backslide and you don't even know how to pick up the pieces of your life again. Then you grow up and start counting regrets instead of, achievements or because you didn't choose to live differently separated unto god in the days of your youth let's use let's 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 learn let's learn from judas iscariot because his story really defines the consequences of not living differently of not living totally separated unto jesus christ as your as a youth judas iscariot had all the benefits of the disciples he wined and dined with jesus this is somebody that hear jesus teach him almost every day but he still was he still allowed himself to be in the company of those people that are enemies of the word of god if you are allowing yourself conform to the standard opposite of the one that god teaches then you are prone to be an instrument, an arrow in the hands of the devil. An instrument of the devil. And when you are an instrument of the devil, you are bent for destruction. God knows it must be destroyed in Jesus' name. So, lastly, lastly, living differently helps us to find our true self. Yes, if you are not isolated, I see no way you are going to find the real you. Why? Because all your decisions will be influenced by what others would think, what your friends would do, and stuff. 
and the spiritual sense, if you don't live differently, you won't find who Jesus really is. Because, of course, you'll be neglecting your Bible study time, your quiet time, just to be with your friends and stuff. And the truth is, if you haven't found God, you can't found you can't find yourself. If you don't know who God is, you won't know who you are. And I'm not saying this based on my own knowledge. This is something I learned from the Bible. Abraham was just Abraham with a wife that was barren for a very long time. He didn't know he was the father of many nations until he encountered Christ. Until God spoke to him and instructed him. And until he obeyed God, until God revealed himself to him, I am that I am. That was when he discovered his real identity. You will not discover your identity without discovering God first. So you want to know who you are. You want to know your identity. You want to know your true self. You must decide to follow Jesus. Decide to live differently so you can encounter God. Then encounter the self. Moses separated himself from the palace. He was in a palace of princes, of 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 kings. Of course, nothing. He lacked nothing because of uh, how will you be a daughter, assumed daughter of a um, assumed daughter of a princess, and be lacking anything. That means he didn't leave the palace because he was lacking. Well, he left the palace because he wanted to be separated from those kind of people. He wanted to live different. He didn't want to conform anymore to their standards. And when he separated himself, that was when he found God at the burning bush. And after finding God at the burning bush, he found who he was as a, as a redeemer of Israel. Jacob. Jacob wrestled with an angel. As a result of his hunger for the touch of God, he just wanted to be blessed. He wanted a change in his life. So he separated himself and wrestled with an angel all night just to be touched by God. And what was given a new identity, a new name, Israel. Peter was an aggressive fisherman. In fact, most times he won't, he won't find fishes in the river. Like when Jesus met him. There was no fish until they met Jesus and followed him and became fishers of men. He became a servant of God. He became a great man in the scripture. Paul. Paul was a persecutor of Christians. But when he encountered God and decided to change his ways, he became an apostle of Christ. He found his real self, his identity. Living differently isn't only about separating yourself. It is about separating yourself for God. And when you separate yourself for God, then you know that you are in for a bright future. You know that you are in for the best of life. And which is finding your identity, finding your true self, knowing that your future is secure and living right. The Levites among the Israelites are like the most separated people. Yes. The Levites are actually separated unto God to be ministers of God. So they are the ones that will be ministers in the temple and stuff. 
But do you know what God said to them in Joshua chapter 13 verse 33? He said, But unto the tribe of the Levites, Moses gave no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. And he said unto them, as he had said unto them, The Levites were one of the tribe of David. Yes, one of the tribe of David. But this tribe didn't have any inheritance. They gave the Rubenites, the Gadites, all of them their inheritance as they won as they won battles and fought for lands on their way to the promised land. But the Levites were given nothing. That kind of is very deep for me because I as a teenager while as a growing youth all I want to think about is how to make my future brighter, right? I want to search for money because without money I know that I might not enjoy so well in the future. I I want to rush for academic, I want to rush for career, I want to find something doing, something that will make my life good in the future, something that will make my future at least secure, that okay, if I have this degree, then I'm going to get a job, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I want to start understanding everything, start planning everything for myself, I want to accumulate all the wealth I can gain, so that I won't suffer when I grow up, right? But the Levites here were giving nothing. (laughs) No money, no house, no land. But the Lord God of Israel was their inheritance. And then I imagined, what does it mean for God to be our inheritance? Ha, means a lot. This God is the God of impossibilities. This God is the God of peace. This God is the God of progress. This God is the God of salvation, this God is the God of liberty, this God is the God of sovereignty, this God is the God of everything good. This God is a creator, is an healer, a physician. This God is everything humanly possible and even humanly impossible. Yet, it becomes our inheritance when we choose to be Levites. Levites are those people separated unto God. They are not, now I'm not classifying them only as the Levites in the Bible during the Israel time. No. I'm classifying the Levites now in general perspective. The Levite is anybody that has chosen to live separated unto God, that has chosen to live differently and not conforming to the world. It means God is our inheritance. This God of everything. It means that even though we don't inherit the world, even though we don't get enough money, even though we feel cheated in some ways because some people are lying to get money, we can't lie to get that money. Even though we can't accumulate all the wealth in the world, even though we can't accumulate all the degrees in the world, even though we don't get all the children that we want, even though people call call us names and invite us to places so that we can get deliverance from our so-called problems that look like problems because (laughs) we are choosing to stand for God. God is saying that I am your inheritance, meaning you have me and I am enough. 
when you have me, you have life. You have peace. And you have everything. Wisdom, knowledge, even wealth. Now this wealth, you might not see it now. But I am the God of time. I am the God of season. I am the God of precepts upon precepts. Lines upon lines. Principles upon principles. And in the right time and due season, you shall see work wonders in your life. It is that God that will become our inheritance if we decide to live differently unto him. If we decide to live separated unto him like the Levite. As I see my bio WhatsApp, I write, I am a Levite created for worship and herald of God. Meaning, I want to live separated. I don't want to conform to the world. Why? Because I know that in that world, of course, I will gain everything I want to gain. I will bypass everything to get position. I will bypass everything to get a degree. I will pay money, feed mouth, block a mouth, so that I will get the degree that I want, the position that I want. I will forge certificates to get anything that I want. I will get, I will lie, I will, I will change figures to get wealth. But those wealth, those money, those degrees will not give me the peace that Jesus gives. Will not give me the sovereignty. The leadership, the mightiness, the power, the authority and dominion that God gives. That alone is enough encouragement for me. That, okay, worldliness and all its kids is vanity. I like also open to the book of Ecclesiastes. There's something there that really reminds me of what. A, 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 the life of a youth that lived that lived conforming to the world. This is something that is actually written in the Bible by that same youth. Let's read it. Let's read it. I'm reading Ecclesiastes 11 verse 9 from verse 9. Yes. Um, to the end. And then I'll read something else. Now this Ecclesiastes, I want us to note that Ecclesiastes is written by a man with many wives. Solo one. <laughs> Many wives, too many wives, too many concubines. He enjoyed the days of his youth and lived as he pleased. But here he's telling us his lessons. He said, Rejoice, O young man, in the thy youth, and let the heart cheer in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of their heart, really, and on the sight of their eyes. Mm -hmm. But no doubt that for all these things, God will be, bring thee unto judgment. That's number one. Therefore, remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. We want to display our youth. We want to display, they call it useful exuberance. We want to do whatever we like. We want to experiment with our lives. How risky! We want to try what others are trying. We want to do what others are doing. Just because it seems good. Doing experiments with our life. Really? I was a science student, and in most of our experiments, they are either do like they are 50 50. We know that if this thing doesn't work, the specimen is going to die. And if this thing works, then thank God the specimen lives. Is that what we want to be doing with our lives? Okay, let me try this one. So, if people are doing it, ha ha, risky. Then he said something in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. He now said, let us 
hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Our duty as humans, as flesh, especially as youths, is to fear God and keep his commandments. By fearing God, we won't accept to go to an ungodly party, even though everybody is going, even though we will be abused for it, even though we will be insulted for not going, because we fear God and we want to live separated. We want to separate ourselves from the world because of the fear of this God. We want to live differently from them so that even we can change them. Fearing God, we mean we won't steal even when all the available option is to steal to do something or to pay our school fees to find that money. I fearing God it means we won't defile ourselves by bodily philosophies and bodily intuitions or will I say worldly means of escape. They'll tell you uh, you have to be wise like a serpent. Even if you want to be a Christian, there are some things that you must do to be able to not allow people to eat you or something like that. I call that worldly, all those things, worldly philosophies or vain philosophies. According to Colossians, God is vain philosophies, vain teachings, worldly philosophies. If we fear God, we separate ourselves from anything that is not in the standard of the scriptures. Knowing that there will be tribulations, knowing that people will insult us, knowing that we will be despised for our choices. But, we should know that it's not about the pleasure of the time. It's not about the pleasure of the present. The Bible says here in the verse 10 that I just finished reading that for childhood and youth are vanity. So it's not about what we enjoy now because everything we enjoy now is vanity. It's about the choices we are make as a plan for the future, as as a like blueprint for our future. Because the choices we make here is what's now, uh, this time of our lives, is what is going to determine how our future will look like. It will be a future of regret. It will be a future of damnation. It will be a future of self-hate. Self-pity. Self-apathy. The time of our youth is the time to follow Jesus with all your heart. If you find yourself less busy or if you find this choice of living differently so hard to take, this is what I do. I don't discuss with friends because I know that they won't give me the advice that I need. Of course, my fellow friends, only if you have older friends that are more spiritual or more grown up, more matured in spiritual things than you, but I just go to God and talk to Him. Why don't you use the spare time, your spare time, the time you spend on masturbation and pornography? Why don't you surrender that time to God and use it in proclaiming the gospel of Christ? Why don't you use the time you spend so much on social media? To tell someone about Jesus. Why don't you use the time you spend with friends or in a circle, or in a useless circle, 
to commune with the Father. These are ways we can actually survive or thrive living differently, even in this confused and chaotic world, because it is the best choice to make. It's a choice that assures us of a future that is secure. It's a choice that assures us of peace, even in tribulations, because there will be tribulations. But this is one choice that tells us that God is with us. That we will be like an olive tree, a tree of life. Why? Because our source is the living water. Then we shall become those youths in whom out of our bodies shall flow rivers of living water. We shall never run dry. We shall run and not be weary. We shall walk and not faint. Why? Because we have chosen to be separated unto God and not the world. In 1 John 1 verse 7, we see God speaking through John, that saying that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sins. Then God writes these letters to his children. He said, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven. Then I'm going to skip to verse 12. He says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Okay, I forgot that. Then it goes on to write in second in first John verse two that my little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not, and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Then it goes on in verse twelve and says, I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. This is a kind of letter from, I see it as a letter from God to me as a child, as a youth, as a teenager, as a young woman, something that, fine, I know that you have sinned. The truth is we sin daily. And anyone who doesn't call itself, anyone who, who, who boasts of not being a sinner, deceive in yourself, that I'm quoting the scripture here. And God is telling us that, fine, you sin. But you have an advocate with the Father who will help you, will have mercy on you. But that's not the point, is it? That we sin and we just believe that God will have mercy on us. Is that it? No. No. Peter denied Jesus Christ three times. Judas is carried betrayed Jesus. I think that the same kind of betrayal. When I see it, I see betrayal in both of them. Judas Iscariot collected 30 pieces of silver to betray his master. Peter, Jesus' best friend, I mean best friend, denied his best friend at the face of death three good times. Three good times. I, if Peter was a man like Judas, you see, there are two different personalities. If Peter was like Judas, of course, Peter too would have gone to hang himself. But, and 
But he didn't do that. What did he do? He went back to God. He went back to his house. Let's say his house. Then he shut the door and started to cry. Cry unto God for mercy. That is the point. In your journey of living separated, in your journey of living differently, there will be sins. I'm not saying there will be mistakes. I'm not saying you should live separated. That means if you make one mistake, you are no more separated. You are already damned. No. There is so much simplicity in Christ, but most of us do not want to understand it. Sorry. Oh, sorry to say, but Judas Iscariot has been working with Jesus for a long time. But you understand who his master was. Maybe he didn't, or maybe he forgot. This same master was someone that forgave, that forgives people randomly. This was someone that dined and wined with tax collectors, with even his enemies, with sinners. They said he was a friend of the sinners. And you betrayed him once and you went to hang yourself. Then you know that your master is a very merciful master. Judas Iscariot forgot the personality of Jesus Christ. But Peter on the other hand, remember this best friend. Remember that this man, my master, will forgive me if I cry unto him for help. And that is what he did. He made a mistake once. That doesn't mean he didn't make other mistakes that were not recorded. But the point about being Christians living separated is about sinning yet going back to the Father. You sin doesn't make you doomed. Then you not give up on Christianity and just join them. No. Your mistake is not the end of your life. Your mistake does not define your relationship with God. Is that it's going back to him. If you offend your mother, you can't just say, because I've offended my mom, I want to run out of the house. Or because I've offended my dad, I want to run out of the house. It's about staying there and going to apologize. And God has assured us in the scriptures that our sins are forgiven if we ask. And so if you confess your sin, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sin. So a part of living differently is not that you will not make mistakes. So I'm not saying the choice is that hard. And I'm not saying the choice is something you should play with. There is simplicity in Christ. And this choice is a simple choice. I want to follow Jesus. I know that my flesh is still in me. I know that I can make mistakes. I will make mistakes. But I will go back to this God because it is him I want to stick with and not the world. Now verse 14 b says, I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one mm. i'm going to end this with this verse i have written to you young men because you are strong and because the word of god abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one this immediately shows that someone is very keen to destroy your youth if you have listened to this end to this point, I want you to listen carefully. It is written that the word of God abides in you, and so you have overcome the wicked one. It means that there is someone, the wicked one, who really wants to destroy your roots. As soon as we step into our teenagers, the battle begins. Whether we are 
I've had some little agitation in her heart before this time as a child. There's nothing compared with whatever we face as a teenager or a youth. This time is a time of conflict, a time of chaos and confusion. One of the first significant things that will sometimes surprise us is that when we come in youth, we start querying everything that we have learned before. We just want to know all. We just want to understand all. I mean, isn't that like a proof that something, something is working against our youth? Something is working against our teenagers. Something is trying to frustrate our knowledge of Christ or our peace, our peace, in short, as youth. And God has said it here that I have written to you, young men, because I know that you are strong. Can we say I am strong? I am strong. And the word of God abides in you. And so you have overcome the wicked one. Now, how do we overcome the wicked one? How do we overcome that spirit tormenting our youth? How do we overcome the devil of our youth? By living separated. By letting the word abide in us. If the word abide in you, if the word of God abide in you, the world will not abide in you. If the world abides in you, the word of God will not abide in you. And if the word of God abides in you, you will overcome the wicked one. Hallelujah. Amen. So, our time, our time of, our prime time, our teenage time, is a time of choosing God, choosing the word, choosing Jesus, choosing Christ, living differently. And I just hope that with this few points, with all the talking since morning, I'll be able to convince you that this is really a good choice to make. I don't know how else to say it, but I just know that God wants, God knows who follow him. God knows those people that follow him. And when you follow God, when you decide to live differently from the word for God, he knows you and he will become your inheritance. It will become everything that you need. May God bless us in Jesus' name. Let's pray. I feel like we need to pray before we end it. Well, if you enjoyed this show, before we go into the prayers, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Share this podcast with friends. You don't want to be the only one hearing the word. So if you have been really blessed, please tell one or two persons about our Chronicles podcast and subscribe. Then follow me on all social media platforms as a formula serial organic career. Um, at chronicles, uh, podcast on Instagram and at legit serial formula on instagram around scry on facebook anywhere you can reach me you can also send an email if you have questions on around scry one at gmail.com i'll be very glad to answer your questions and pray with you or if you have contributions if you have something you want me to talk about on the show anything just send me a mail at eraldscry1 at gmail.com now let's pray in jesus name in the mighty name of jesus heavenly father we thank you for this podcast thank you for blessing us today thank you for teaching us to live separated to live differently and thank you for giving us 
an opportunity to make choices. May your name be highly exalted in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, fill our hearts with your love. Fill our hearts with the fear of you. Make it known unto us that it is only our duty to keep your commandments and fear you. Father, help us to keep your commandments. Help us to commune with you. Help us to commune with the Father. Help us to do with the struggles of teenagehood and fulfill your word of our lives. Help us to abide in your word and overcome the wicked one. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.